Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode 96 of Nerd Pod Generations. As always, I am one of your illustrious host, Steve Taylor, along with the lovely Al Jetson. Hello, sir. Hello, friends and enemies. How's it going, bud? Oh, boy, it's been a big week. It's been a long week. That's but awesome. here we are. You There's know? so much stuff. So much stuff going on. I can't on. get over all the nerd shit that came out. I know. It's... We... <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> and we're not even going to talk about, and, and folks, if you're listening, we are recording this on Friday 7th. Oh 7th. my god, it's April 7th already. God oh damn. god. Um, so Friday, April 7th. sucks. Tomorrow, I'm going with the family to see uh, Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. So depending on what you can do with your schedule, we may be talking about that next week or it might not be until the week I'm after. I'm going to try and see it sometime during the week next week. Okay. We're going to see what I can arrange. But we have so much to talk about, so much happened. For those of you who are first dialing in, once again, episode 96, so that means we have 95 pure gold episodes to go back and listen to, and we're going to have some reaction reviews coming up in the future, because I know Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is coming out shortly, and yeah. unfortunately we're going to go see that. Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer. Like, there's, yeah. there's so many great movies coming out. Um, but we do start every episode with what have you been watching, playing, reading. Mm-hmm. I am going to start because I finally was able to watch a movie a second time. Okay. I am reshuffling my favorite movie from last year is now RRR. I knew you were going to come on to it. It did. Now, and, and I want to stress this to people. You've got to watch this movie more than once. It's so fucking good. It's so good, but that first time is such an assault on your senses. It is a bombardment. It's huge. Yeah. Natu Natu is the greatest musical number in all cinema history. Of all and time. And I love musicals. And yeah. we've talked about this in previous shows. I am a massive musical fan. Singing in the Rain is one of my favorite movies. I love musicals, so I I have a ton of musical numbers. See, I've actually watched that scene like seven times. I was we watched it on repeat every day for about three weeks after, like before, during, yeah. and after watching the movie itself. And basically, as soon as the Oscars aired, we start we we tracked down clip from the movie, and then we just watched it. Yeah. A lot. Like, I don't say this lightly. It's like, make them laugh great. Oh, it's, yes. Like, that. it's that Beyond good. that, like, it is, the choreography. Oh, my God. Is unbelievable. So fucking good. The set design that they, they do the whole number on. And then the leads. Mm-hmm. They're just. Can you imagine? Charismatic as, as I've ever seen an actor in this one. Can you imagine if Chris Hemsworth and Chris Evans in the middle of an Avengers movie, just had a dance-off yeah. out of nowhere with Batrock the Leaper. Yeah. Like, that that was just an element of the movie. It's that, unbelievable. That just happened. Like, it really is. The first time, I think I was so overwhelmed. But the second time, I was able to kind of pick it apart a little more. I got more of the... When I thought of this, I luckily... I've, I've had it reaffirmed by other reviews I've seen of it. It really is a love story between the two guys. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, it's, it's an amazing story about these guys who are just best friends. And it's like, watching just the, the dynamic, and I think that's the part that I needed to see it a second time for. Yeah. Because you get overwhelmed by the special effects and the fighting and the action and the music and all that. In the first viewing, the story itself kind of got lost. Yeah. And I w- that's why I was a little like, I don't know how I feel about this. Yeah. And then the second time... I still was blown away by everything, but it didn't take me out of the movie like yeah. it did the first time. You could follow what was happening. Exactly. You weren't trying to be like, 
okay, wait a minute, what's happening now? And now they're gonna, the guys are gonna meet on the bridge, and then they're gonna do this crazy maneuver. Yeah. And is the title screen 40 minutes into the movie? What is happening? Yeah, and the title screen things, which like you were saying before, when you first told me about it, how it's broken up into like chapters yeah, almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got more out of the um, guy on the shoulder scene. Yeah! Right? I didn't see that about... a second time, I was more like, oh, okay, like I paid attention more to, to like, I didn't notice when... The guy on top would drop the guns down. The other yeah, one would, would cock them. And throw them back up. And throw them back up. And yeah. it was like, I, I didn't catch that the first time because yeah. it was such an, an assault on your senses. Or Beam, whose superpower is that he can lift anything as long as he keeps trying to lift it. Yeah. Which is one of my favorite. That's not canonical, but like that's the way that it's addressed. Yeah. Is like As long as he keeps trying, he can lift and move yes. anything in the world. And I, I'm going to tell everyone right now. In this little review I'm giving, I'm not going to have any of the character names because I am so terrible. I kept trying to remember names when I was telling people about the movie. I'm like, I can't remember these fucking the names. The one with the curly hair is Beam. The one with the straight hair is Rom. When Beam jumped out of the truck yes. with yes, all of with the, the animals. animals. That Beastmaster scene is so that fucking cool. So great. That was so great. When he throws the guy onto the antlers of the deer as it charges past. Yeah. Oh my fucking god. But it's like, this is the kind of movie, and once again, I want American action filmmakers to take notice, especially people like Michael Bay. This is how you do slow motion properly. Yeah. Because that scene in slow motion was perfect. Yeah. Because it was a poignant, important, like, set piece. Yeah. That you needed to slow it down so you could really get a glimpse of everything that's going on. I think that's the thing about this movie that really blew me away, is that it... There's so much going on at one time. All the time. That your brain, it really is fried. You just, you get almost overwhelmed at times. Yeah, like I felt physically exhausted after watching it both times. Yeah, yeah. It's, it is incredible. The the torture scene where Beam is whipped is a musical number that stands alone in its own right of just like, Jesus fucking Christ. I didn't realize this until today. Uh, Ray Stevenson, who I like as mm. an actor, I really like him as an actor. He's the the villain. Oh yeah, I didn't realize it oh, until yeah. today. And, and then it blew me away when he's he's the villain in a show. This is what I was saying. Yeah, this, <laughs> is, this, this is why it came yeah. up. Was I saw him? I was like, I recognize his yeah. face. And I was like, That man played the Punisher one time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This is what I was gonna say. Is is like he shows up everywhere. He was uh, Volstag in Thor. He yes. was the fat one. Yes. And it, <laughs> yes. It's he's one of my favorite character actors and so uh I didn't realize that he's the villain in this yeah. but he's so fucking good as the villain. And he's a very like you forget how big he is. Yeah, like he is huge. a very imposing figure in this I remember movie. watching him on Dexter. Oh yeah. And like the way that he just towers over Michael C Hall in that mm. show is just like man. But um the the shot where he, the Karzen crashes and he goes up into the air and the rifle just comes up into his hand. Oh my god, it's there's so much artistry. Yeah, this. it's and and I I told people at work about this today cuz I I've, I've been talking it up. And I can't stress this enough people. You got to watch more than once. You cannot if you watch it once and you don't like it, watch it a second time, you will love it mm-hmm. because it really is that intense. I have never I don't know if I've ever seen a film this intense. No. Like truly intense on on like various stilted levels yes of intensity like you'll have an intense scene in an action movie 
that's over the mm. top. And you'll have an intense scene like in the end of Lord of the Rings, <clears throat> whether it's Aragorn charging into battle or whether it's Sam and Frodo climbing up Mount Doom. There's like a million different things. Or in a melodrama mm. of one kind or another about love and, and desperation and betrayal and all these other things. And RRR just has all of it. It just yeah. has all of it. And it's like, it has moments, and this has made me think of certain um, Hong Kong action movies that I'd seen. It has moments where acting by some of the actors, especially the the, the British people, I'll yeah. say, the Caucasians, wasn't that great. But... The wife of the general really yeah, hams it up. She really hams, really it, hams up. it up. It wasn't that great. And, it, it, and that's very much what... Like, you watch some of the, the dub Jackie Chan movies. Mm-hmm. The, like, English-speaking actors in it, that's exactly how they act. So, luckily, I was kind of used to it. But the thing is, is I've seen movies where that has been a detriment. Mm-hmm. It wasn't in this. Because no. the scenes that, that the acting is poor in end up being so in, incredible. Yeah. Well, like, so I, I think the woman that plays Jenny does a really good job. She's... Uh, very sweet and I love the the way that she approaches mm. the romance between her and Beam of just like they can't speak the same language there's kind of this other thing mm. involving Beam and why he's here really and whether he's really interested in Jenny or not is another thing yeah. but like I, I think that the, the wife of the general plays it up to make you hate her that much more yes like it, it's it's overdone but it's overdone because for the same reason that you know uh, Lady Tremaine and Cinderella is mm. is overdone. It's it's too much yeah. because it's it's like true villainy. Yeah. And uh, man, I just fucking love this movie. It really is great. Like, I, and I I hope it doesn't get taken off of Netflix because I looked up on Amazon to see if you could buy it in Blu-ray and it's not available. Yeah. So it's like either put it out in a 4K Blu-ray so I can buy it, or do not take it off Netflix. Well, I still want to see it in its original language because Netflix only has it in Hindi. Well, and that's why I'm hoping it comes out in Blu-ray because yeah. you assume they would put. Like the the options, the options for the language, are, yeah. There is uh, we in our various travels watching the, the the musical numbers from this movie. We we found a video that listed all of the uh, various languages that you could view it in on various streaming platforms. But they're all from India, yeah. <laughs> so like I we could figure it out. I'm sure we could figure it out. But it would definitely be a trial and error yeah. kind of thing. But, but I definitely think I see this as. A turning point for Bollywood. Oh, definitely. Because like Rumble in the Bronx mm-hmm. opened up the doorway for Hong Kong action movies. Like Charlie Young Fat, all of a sudden was making movies in America, and Michelle Yeoh became, and it, that really started with Rumble in the Bronx. When mm-hmm. like I remember the cultural impact that had when that opened, and everyone's like, "What the fuck?" And then all of a sudden, Jet Li and all of these. I think this is Bollywood's moment mm-hmm. because I've seen Bollywood movies. And a lot of them, I'm like, eh, it's entertaining. It's okay. It's a little too much. This was so well done. Yeah. That I, I really hope it does take off. I know the Oscars really kind of brought it into focus for a lot of people who had no idea what it was. Yeah. I still have to see All Quiet on the Western Front because part of me is like, I don't know how this didn't win the Oscar for Best Foreign Language Film, but because. I don't think it was even nominated. For I don't think it was either, film. which blows my mind. Because yeah. I'm like, this thing was freaking this unbelievable. This is fucking great. This is the best action film of the last 20 years. Oh, easy. And I love Infinity War, and I love Avengers. Yeah, and I love the John Wick movies, but I would even put this above that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I've been watching the John Wick movies this week, and as many of them as I can anyway. Yeah. You know, they're great. I love them. They're very entertaining, and Keanu Reeves is is 
endlessly fun to watch fight yes. in those movies. It doesn't hold a candle. Like no. watching Beam <clears throat> use a motorcycle as a club yeah. at the end of that movie. Well, it's and, and you I think you would kind of mention this when you first told me about it. Is it's it really is a perfect blend between a superhero movie and a non-superhero yeah. movie. Because they aren't superheroes, but they have enough characteristics similar to that. They're kind that of they, superheroes. They kind of are. Like yeah. they're very like I like your Captain America analogy because that's what they are. Yeah. They're not like going to be flying around or anything, but they're pretty much two Captain Americas. No one's Thor, but these guys are more than your average human. Yes, exactly. And like, I love that. I, I could go on forever. I love the scene when the British are being warned that Beam is coming. And they're like, you don't understand. Yeah, you have no <laughs> You have idea. no fucking clue what's coming yeah. for you. And oh my God, that and scene I, with the tiger. I love how they play, how... Beam is written on this because his first scene with the lot with the tiger, yeah. he's in the jungle, and he's no shirt and muscles. And then a lot of scenes after that, he's he just looks like a normal he's dude. He's just a dude. He's just the dude yeah. because the, as soon as he puts the shirt on and he, and he he's just acting normal. You're like this is just the dude, and he's you forget that he was this ripped monster. Yeah. He's not even the most attractive man. No, of the two of them. No, not even close. And so it's just like you're just like oh yeah, he's just a guy. Yeah. And oh, so good. Oh, I love that movie. It's so good. So it's much. So good. So it makes me want to watch it again. Now. I give it a solid A plus, And once again, it is my movie of 2022. Yeah. Even though I didn't see it until now, since it came out last year. Yeah. I call I, it my movie of 2022. I would also give it high ranks in my movie of 2022 list. I think Prey is still its own zeitgeist thing. See, like, I can't even. I, and I'm going to have a hard time watching other action movies now yeah. because of the pace. Yeah. And everything. And this, like, even Prey, I, I love it, but. I'm gonna watch it and be like, man, it's slow. Well, like, there's there's never gonna be a moment like when you watch Beam be betrayed by Rom, betrayed yeah. by Rom, three separate times. Yeah. And yet Rom is working his ass off to save his life. He's yes. doing everything in his power to and save he his can't life. Can't tell Beam like he and has then, to. And then Beam finds <coughs> Rom's girlfriend. Yep. And is every everything is explained to him, and he just takes her hand and he says, "Beam will bring Rom back to you." Yeah. And it's just like. Shit. <laughs> no shit's going on. Hurricane's down. coming. Yeah. Get ready. That was so fucking good. Oh, I fucking love that so movie. So fucking good. All right. Anyway. So we got to move on. So I'm going <laughs> to sh- shift gears dramatically because uh, we watched 9 to 5. And I think nice. that that is worthy of talking about. Uh, I, I will admit I wasn't super interested in watching 9 to 5. It's great. Movie. And Kelly was like, no, 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 you have to watch it. And she was fully right. A thousand percent uh, right. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> of course she's right. Yeah. She's always right. Um, but anyway, very funny very like beyond its time like this movie oh you yeah. could see this movie coming out in 2019 yeah and being it's a topical. very progressive film yeah. for what was it 81 82 something like that i think it's 81 because i remember 80 80 jesus because i saw this when vhs first like hit my parents rented it and it was like you know early 80s mm-hmm. and so i've seen it for years i remember laughing my ass off yeah because dabney coleman is fucking great as frank he's yeah. so funny as, yeah. he's like i die every time i watch him well and like it's so <clears throat> interesting seeing jane fonda play this role completely off character. so different from what you usually see her play because this wasn't far from away from barbarella no, no she's playing this mousy woman yeah. who is like the big reveal is that she has to pretend to be into bdsm at oh the end God, and it's so like, it's just you can see it all coming and yet you're so 
pleased yeah. as it happens when they hang him up with the door with the garage door open and, oh. like, and there was a garage door scene before and like all these other things and you're like oh yeah oh, the, oh look at the, this is so clever yeah. like every part of it this is so clever even the way that they the three of them come together is so organic oh it's so and great and Lily, that scene in the hospital is, i was gonna say lily tomlin oh. Uh, definitely is just like I think kills it. Dolly Parton steals the show, and Jane Fonda is amazing. But Lily Tomlin is she is the glue, the glue Literally, that holds this yeah. whole thing fucking together, yeah. and she's so good. Oh, so and good. again, she's still playing that Lily Tomlin <clears throat> character that she's played since mm. forever. And uh, it does also put Grace and Frankie in a whole new light. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which, like, that's the one thing is that now that I've watched 9 to 5, I need to get her to watch Grace and Frankie. Yeah. Because I know she'll absolutely love it. But she's waiting She's waiting for the right moment. So we'll get there. Yeah. It'll come. But And I and I told you this last week when you told me you'd watch it. This film, I, I heard a story about it which just proves the genius. Because Dolly Parton's a genius. She has written more amazing songs that she hasn't even sang. They didn't have the original 9 to 5 song. And after they started shooting, she just came in one day and told Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda, I think I got the song, and then sang it to them on the set. And they were like, holy shit. Yeah. And it is one of my favorite theme songs ever. Yeah. I mean, Deadpool used it in Deadpool 2 in the beginning. Yeah. Which is the best. Sing it, Dolly. I freaking love that part. Well, I'm like, when you look at the office that they build by the end of the movie. Oh, yeah. It's... It looks so much like my the 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 New York City office that I worked in, yeah. and everything that they wanted. Like we didn't have a daycare center, but they I'm sure that if there were enough people that wanted a daycare center, they would have facilitated that in some mm. capacity. You know, like it it definitely has that same feel of like this is what the offices of the future were going to be, and this is in the 80s. Yeah, and it's just it's so it's so well done, and so you know I want to give them a, a nice round of applause nice. for getting it done. I also want to do a special call out to uh, In a World, which is a movie about voiceover artists by Lake Bell, who is the superior Black Widow. Yeah, she's the Black Widow in voice only. But she does a much better job than Scarlett Johansson does. I think I've weirdly. seen this movie. It's very good. It's also very raunchy. Yeah, boy, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of coarse language. Does right it off have the Billy start. West in it a lot from Futurama? I don't know if it has Billy West in it. It has um, Dimitri Martin, Rob Corddry, Ken Marino, Nick Offerman, Tig Notaro, Gina Davis, Fred Melamond. I think uh, I must have saw a different documentary because the yeah. one I saw. Had this a lot isn't of a documentary. West. This is a film. Oh, it's a film. This is just this is a this is a film. Basically, the the premise of the film mm. is that Don LaFontaine has died, mm. and so the inner world has been retired, and now they're bringing it out of retirement. And who among the various oh, voice artists in the LA community will get to do the new trailer for the Hunger Games? That's not the Hunger Games, but yeah. it's definitely the Hunger Games, and uh, it's just a really charming very silly comedy mm. um there's a lot of heart to it the rob cordry who i don't I love i love rob i Corddry. i don't always love rob cordry he plays the most sympathetic man i've ever seen in this movie where like he is just an editor who works from home and he tries his best and his wife cheats on him and he has to deal with that there's a weird way that they get around that that in some circles would be seen as invasive. <laughs> and, uh, but, like, it's it's a very charming, good movie. I, I very much enjoyed it. I found it very funny still. Um, and Nick Offerman and Tig Notaro and Dimitri Martin are all excellent in it. And Lake Bell is so good in it. She's she's really, really good from top to bottom. It. And she wrote and directed it. So, 
I think it's on Netflix. It's somewhere. I know it's somewhere out there. I'll have to look that yeah. up. I so, in so. a world. All right, so we have some trailers to talk about. Okay, so if you've been living on a different world, everyone, they dropped a gazillion trailers. They yeah. had the Disney experience. Was that today or yesterday? Uh, it must have been today. I think it was today, where they talked about all the new stuff coming yeah. with Star Wars, and we got some a, a bunch of other Disney properties, including Indiana, Indiana Jones, 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 Guardians got a of the trailer. Galaxy. And Guardians has like their 9 million trailer. <clears throat> Which. I'm I've tuned them out. I'm not watching I'm them. I'm so not excited to see I, them. I'm not watching them. I don't believe you. <laughs> yeah. I don't believe you. I've seen the gag with Drax on the couch. This is going to be the movie, yeah. folks. This is it. Friends and enemies, this is it. If you like this, you're going to love the movie. Yeah. But it's going to be this. Oh, yeah. For two hours. No, I have no faith. I have no faith. That's all I believe it's going to be. Okay, I, so let's start off with the big one. Let's start off with Ashoka. Okay. Which comes out August... August. I think it said. Yeah. So this is the new Star Wars spinoff starring Rosario Dawson as Ashoka, mm-hmm. who was in season two of The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Um, I refer to this trailer as Star Wars pornography. This was, this felt very much like it was made for the people that have been watching the animated series this whole fucking time. Yes. The Like, the reveal of Thawne. With his back to camera. Like, that whole thing is just like, oh, this is porn for an entire segment well, of the fan And the base. reason I thought it, too, if this whole trailer was nothing but lightsabers and space battles. Yeah. It's like, they wanted every Star Wars fan to be like, oh, like the, that's what it was. The one time she stands still, she spins around in a circle and cuts a hole in the floor. Yeah. Like, it's, it's everything is cool. Everything yeah. is cool about this. And it's like, I still can't trust them, though. This is my thing. This is my and we'll thing. talk about why I can't trust them later on in the show. I, I, I just, I'm not saying I don't have faith. I'm saying there's a lot of things that have to work in synchronization in order for this shit to work. Yeah. And I don't always have faith that you get the right people to do that. Yeah. So we're going to see if this time they got the right people because that is what is coming to me i mean we did we did say it does have ray stevenson in it. yes ray so Stevenson's that, hanging that's out. a positive yeah um there is that brief glimpse of andor's mon mothma like yep. actually the way she looks in andor yeah. so i like that gave me a little confidence yeah. i'm like okay are you going to have to bring mando in for two episodes i hope, not. I hope not. To, to save this that's that's my big question i really hope not is we're on a scale of mandalorian season one which is arguably the greatest thing that they've ever done, to Obi-Wan, which I think is actually lower somehow than Book of Boba Fett, which is shocking. Oh, easily lower. I think Book of Boba Fett is only higher because it's buoyed by Mandalorian. The three Mandalorians, yeah. 2.5. Yeah. Like, where on this scale is it going to be? Is it going to be a pleasant surprise like Andor? Is it going to be kind of middling like Mandalorian Season 3? Is it going to be really bad? Because we've had as much really bad as we've had really good Easily, exactly and so I'm, I'm just i just I'm, and that's why my buddy billy he asked me what i thought of the trailer and i said star wars is officially in marvel category where they have burned us so many times i cannot get excited until i actually see it they spend too quickly oh absolutely when, when they think they've tapped a mine they bring in like an 1800s prospector level of like, just bring, we're going to form a new town yeah. around this. That's that's how confident we are that we have a winner. We're going to form a new town around this spring and we're going to build it out and we're all going to be filthy stinking with, rich with gold and sometimes there's not a giant gold mine underneath. Mm-hmm. And I just, so we're going to see. We're going to see. It, I mean, it was a cool trailer. Yeah. It did look cool, but 
It looks very cool. It looks very it cool. It looks very cool. You know, also, well, actually, you know what? I won't even say that it looks cool. Did you get anything out of Secret Invasion's trailer? Did you get anything at all? No. I, nothing, right? Nothing. It told me nothing. Not it gave me thing. nothing. Nothing to make me interested. Nothing to make me excited. The only thing I got out of it is they did the cheap, stupid way to say that there's not going to have any big names in it when they said, oh, are you going to call the Avengers? No, I need to do this on my no. own. It's like... <sighs> well, here's a question. Hi, Marvel. Um, your timeline's <clears throat> fucked at this point. Who are the Avengers? First off, what year is it? Second yeah. off, who are the Avengers at exactly. this point? Have the Avengers existed for five years now? Because where, when are we? Yeah. I don't know. I honestly don't know. Yeah. So you're going to have to clean that up a little bit. Because yeah, it makes I, no fucking sense to me. And I've been paying really close attention. I'm, I'm really... God damn it. And it, it makes me mad with Marvel because just the other day I watched Werewolf by Night again. And I'm like, that is so good. It's really good. And then I watched the Secret Invasion trailer, and I'm like... It's nothing. It's I nothing. watched it again today, literally saying to my TV, show me I'm wrong. Yeah. Show me what I'm missing. Okay? Make it so I see that there's something here. There's nothing. There's nothing, nothing here. Nothing. And, oh, we brought in Olivia Coleman. Oh, great. Awesome. You know, the Transformers of the movie had Orson Welles. I don't know what you want me to tell you. <laughs> like, it... If it's a dying fire, it seems like it's a dying fire. Yeah. You have a giant... We know that Amelia Clark is playing the Scroll Queen. Yes. We know this because you told us. Yes. We see her in a big basement full of glowing bodies. Okay? And she has these coarse conversations with Nick Fury. And I'm just sitting here like... You couldn't have made her Spider-Woman? You couldn't have done something cool? Anything? Yeah. Anything at all? Where she's a she's a close personal confidant of Nick Fury. The Earth's Mightiest Heroes Avengers series did that. Where she's Nick Fury's one of Nick Fury's closest aides. Yeah. Is the Skrull Queen. And she's been playing him the whole time. So it's not gonna be that. And it's it's not gonna have anything to do with the scrolls that have been on Earth this whole time. So we are going to have to circle the square of these religious zealots mm -hmm. that are coming from another culture that we deem peaceful. See, the only thing I think is going to save this series for me is if Marvel is doing something which they've never done, which is keeping a big secret, and that's they roll out the Fantastic Four during the series. Oh, my God. Because you cannot... How are you having a Skrull storyline with only Nick fucking Fury? How are you doing Secret Invasion with only Nick Fury? Like, yeah. if, if you were doing... They're, they're, Nick Fury's been a part of so many secret something-somethings. Like, I get it. You're not trying for any... How can it not be anything? Yeah. How can you not have any fucking superheroes? How can it be totally nothing? You don't even have Quake in this. Listen, I'm not saying that I want you to bring back Daisy Johnson from uh, uh, S.H.I.E.L.D., from yeah. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm not... You know, whatever. I, I have nothing against Chloe Bennett, but I think that that character's... It's shit. That whole show was shit. I'm gonna be fully with honest you. with you. That whole show was bullshit. I agree. Okay, you're not you, you're not even gonna bring her back. So what is it? You don't have Quake. You don't have Spider Woman. You don't have Mockingbird. You don't have Black Widow. You don't have any Agents of Shield. Yeah. You. Uh, I would take Quartermain at this point. Anything. Yeah. Literally, anything. 
and you're giving me nothing. Yeah. And then you're telling me, like, ooh, isn't it cool? And I'm like, no, it's not. It looks like bullshit. It looks like nothing. And that's the part that's getting frustrating with me with it because it's like, <sighs> look, at I, this I, I had hope. I had a little bit of hope when I heard Secret Invasion. I'm like, oh, okay. I, just, I love that story. I love those comics. Yeah. This could be great. And you're right. Every trailer, it's like, it doesn't look cheap or anything. Like, it looks action-packed and all that. But it's like, this isn't a, the story. What is the most iconic thing about Secret Invasion? Is the covers. Yes. The covers are all Marvel superheroes, but they're scrolls. Yes. And it's just like it's a different every every cover. It's somebody else, or it's a group of other people, and it, everybody it touches everybody. Nobody trusts anybody. Uh, how are you going to do that story without any of those superheroes? Yeah, like the scrolls aren't even going to turn into them in passing. What? How is this going to work exactly? exactly. What's your plan here? Because it seems like you have no plan. Yeah, they don't have any plan. They I'm just angry. want to. Piss out stuff to make money because they know people like us, idiots like us, will watch this. They shit. have a scroll shooting out this this viney arm, and it's like, oh look at us, we have scrolls. This is bullshit. You don't even have a super scroll. Yeah. What is this? What is this? Because the scrolls are all supposed to have amalgamations of all the various superheroes in various capacities. Are you gonna do that? Another hallmark of Secret Invasion. Are you gonna do that? Yeah. Because it doesn't seem like it. It seems like something that you would want to make. A big fucking deal about. Yeah. But you're not. So I have to assume that you're not going to do any of it. So why are you doing it? Yeah. It's garbage. They're fucking it up. It's they bad. fucked up Civil War it's in my bad opinion. news bears. They've completely fucked up Planet Hulk. And now they're completely going to fuck up Secret Invasion. Like they're taking some of the greatest properties and, and storylines. Kind of like what DC did with Doomsday and Batman vs Superman where they fucked that up. And they're just fucking them up. Yeah. It's like you have the blueprint right in front it's of you. It's right there. Face. You don't even have to work for this, guys. Yeah. You have an audience built in. You have a story ready made. You have publicity. Basically, you just have to make a poster where you might have a scroll. You have a you have Iron Man. And he takes off his helmet and it's a scroll, and everybody would lose their fucking minds. Yes. Yeah. You're not even doing that. And after what? This, I, this show comes out in June! And after what only I spent going to Disney in a month, you have plenty of fucking money to get the big name actors and get these people into your TV show. Well, it almost seems like what they're trying to do is turn Secret Invasion into a uh, Winter Soldier-style spy thriller, where instead of it being a worldwide phenomenon, yes. it's a worldwide phenomenon that only affects Nick Fury. And only Nick Fury is involved in. Oh, excuse me. And uh, Colby Smolder. So, Maria Hill's here. Great. The weakest, most bland version of Maria Hill. Again, I don't have anything against Colby Smolder. It's the character that she's gotten, been given yeah. all this time. Weakest, most bland-ass version of Maria Hill in the history of forever. Mm-hmm. Forever. You should love Maria Hill. You should hate Maria Hill. You should not nothing Maria Hill. Yeah. Okay? And we have Martin Freeman's here. Yeah. One ring to rule them all. What okay. are we doing? So we're not excited about this. No. Blue Beetle. Blue Beetle! We are excited about this. Blue Beetle look cool. I'm a little... The level of George Lopez is going to denote oh, yeah, the, 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 the quality of this film. And, and I'm not saying this in any kind of racial way, but I had a lot of Miss Marvel vibes with the family dynamic. Mm-hmm. Like, I had a ton of those vibes. 
but I like it here. It makes sense here. It does make sense, but I don't know if I'm just burned by superhero movies where I'm not overly enthused. I think it looks awesome. Yeah. I love how the suit looks. Yeah. I'm holding judgment. My thing is that this looks like DC's attempt to use the Marvel formula. Yes. So they have kid gets superpowers by some weird coincidence where his friend is working at Cord Industries and gets the scarab out. Where's Ted? Uh, my, my one question at the end of this trip. Hi, uh, Ted Cord. Anybody yeah. seen him? Is he here? Is he here? I, I mean, he has to be here, right? But anyway, she gets this beetle out of Cord Industries. I assume it's Cord Industries. Who knows? Maybe they changed it. Um, at which point fanboys across the internet burn their tables yeah, and rage. The shit. Scarab attaches itself to Jaime. We know this story. This ha this happens in every universe. The eye of destiny has fallen on Jaime Reyes, and now he must stand up. The and only thing I approve of this, though, is we're not going to have to deal with that. Ooh, should I tell my family? No, his family <laughs> sees family it fucking knows. so they fucking know what happened. Yeah. That I'm going to be so happy that we don't have yeah. to deal with that bullshit. Cause yeah. I am. If there's one thread that I am tired of, it's that shit. The part that I'm concerned about is the Susan Sarandon part of this. Oh, yeah. That's the part of this that smells like Marvel the most. Is like There's humor elements that smell like Marvel, calling Batman a fascist, having George Lopez be zapped across the room. This is what I mean when I say the George Lopez of this movie yeah. is going to be a denomination of how good this movie is. <laughs> or just if you like George Lopez's whole thing. Yeah. But like we get... The, the the Ted Cord Blue Beetle ship. So Ted Cord is probably here somewhere. I just I I'm concerned mm. that this is I, we talk highly of Winter Soldier. Yes. And part of Winter Soldier is that Robert Redford plays the the big bad. But Marvel's gone to that well over and over and over again. And it it, it doesn't always ring the same way, you know? So we're going to see. I think that this looks very good. I do need to see a villain. I need to see who he's fighting. And it can't just be bland armies of men with machine guns. I need to see who he's fighting. He has to have somebody on his level. So show me that. And otherwise, I'm in. I, yeah. I'm totally in on this. Yeah, I, you know, I'm, once again, holding judgment until I actually can see it. Yeah. Because I just... I know this is like the first big movie of the new regime, mm -hmm. so I'm kind of like... Let's see okay. what you got. Let's see what you got. Yeah. Um, all right, so we're going to move on. We're going to go a little quirky. Yeah. Asteroid City. Asteroid City. I was going to say Anderson. we have to talk about Asteroid City. This cast list is it's like insane. is insane. Okay, I'm going to read them off real quick. It's Tom like Hanks, Maya Hawk, which I'm glad she has a lead yep. role, Margot Robbie, Scarlett Johansson, Sophia Lillis, Edward Norton, Jason Schwartzman, Tony Revolori. Adrian Brody, Brian Cranston, Steve Carell, Tilda Swinton, Rita Wilson, Willem Dafoe, Matt Dillon, Jeff Goldblum, uh, Rupert Friend, Hope Davis, uh, Liv Schreiber, Fisher Stevens. I'm like, holy crap. It's an insane cast. It's insane. So it's, okay, so it looks like Jason Schwartzman and his family are trapped in this asteroid city, which is like in the middle of the desert. Yeah. And aliens come, and his dad is Tom Hanks, and he needs his father-in-law is Tom Hanks. father-in-law, that's right, because his wife his, died. His wife has died. She, he's here with his three daughters. Yes. And they're trapped in this domed-in city, and or something. Something is keeping them there. Yeah, it's... Well, his car explodes, he said. Yeah. And then, so they don't have a vehicle. Well, and he's but there's trying also, to get... like, these radio calls that, like, you know, you have to lock down Asteroid yes. City. Like, there's something else going on. Which, and they show... I love how they show the asteroid. The reason it's called Asteroid City is, like, uh, 
a couple decades ago, an asteroid hit the Earth, and it's this tiny little rock they yeah. have in a glass case, yeah. and they have like the big asteroid day and all that. Yeah. But then aliens show up. Yeah. No, it looks hilarious. It looks awesome. <laughs> it looks amazing. I'm Especially totally that last it. part where Schwartzman's talking to uh, Scarlett Johansson. She's like, "I did a nude scene. Would you like to see it?" Did I did I say yes? I, I don't know. You didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. Oh, I, I, well, I meant to say yes. <laughs> like that. I was laughing my ass off because I do love Wes Anderson movies. They're so quirky, and this one just has that different vibe because it doesn't take place. Like, it seems like a lot of the the last ones have been in a similar kind of vein. Vein, yeah, yeah. Where you have like the 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 very urban setting or, yeah. or Grand Budapest Hotel. You know, you have the aristocrat. This is like. Mid America in the desert yeah. with aliens. It's totally off yeah. normal. Yeah. But the cast list, once again, I can't, I really can't get over. I can't get over it. It's one of those cast lists that, like, you can't even read all of the names on it when it appears on screen in the trailer. Yeah. I, and, and I've been trying to pick out, like, I don't remember where Mar- Margot Robbie is in the trailer. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And she's like third billing. And I'm yeah. like, I didn't see her unless I just yeah. missed her. Kelly noticed Sophia Lillis and I missed her, but I saw Steve Carell and she didn't see him. So it was just like, it, it, there's so much happening. Yeah, you want to talk about so much happening. There's so much happening in this But movie. this was, this, out of all the trailers this week, this was the one where I was like, oh, okay. Like this is a, this is one out of the blue that I was not expecting. This was one of the ones that actually made me genuinely excited. Not like nervous oh my god how is this gonna go yeah which like even the one that i'm the most excited about that we're gonna get to i figured we save that for last. i was gonna say we're yeah. gonna save that for last even that one i was still when the, the thumbnail dropped i was like oh god oh jesus but when i saw this i was like oh, is this is this a wes anderson movie oh my god wait a minute hang on yeah and, <laughs> and tom hanks is in it there's no bill murray yeah tom hanks is doing the bill murray role he's doing the bill murray role it's yeah. like Wait a second. Well, Bill Murray had to get shrunk down for Quantum Mania, and he's still, well, you know, you can't, don't, you can't grow too Don't bring too up big. that awful cameo. Listen, you can't grow too uh, quickly, otherwise you get the bends. That's so terrible. Okay. Um, I I hope he, like, has a little, like, unnamed cameo in yeah. this, because he's been in every one of his fucking movies I for the last, has, like, 20 years. I hope he does the voice of some computer or radio or something. Something like that. Yeah. Because I still, like, uh, high on my list of favorite movies Steve, is um, Life Aquatic. It's still way up yeah. there. I like And Life that's so such far. a great film movie. Yeah. All right, so we're going to move on. We're going to do a quick hit on Five Nights at Freddy. Yeah. Bloomhouse horror film. It looks just like Willy's Wonderland that came out with Nicolas Cage, which I absolutely loved. I think it's a lot better. It's it's a very low budget. Josh it, Hutchinson is the lead. This is the thing that I don't get is that you have Blumhouse and you have Universal have both put their name on this. Yeah. How is it this low budget? How does it look like know. this where some scenes look really good and then any scene that involves the animatronics doesn't look great? Unless it's just a shitty trailer. But this is and what it's I don't understand. Yet. Was it done purposefully to make it look more like the game? At which point I question, but then why did you make it live action? Because yeah. that's going to look janky as hell. Like, I I just end up coming away from this with more questions. I mean, I am happy that it looks like it's going to be a very hard R-rated movie, mm-hmm. which is great. That's what they want you to believe, at least. They do. Yeah. But I mean, it, I mean, it was a pretty bloody trailer. It seems like it. It seems like it. So, I don't know. Like this, I I have no. The only reason I know anything about Five Nights at Freddy is one of my nephews, Logan, used to love it and he collected the figures, and that's the only reason I know anything about this. I know most of my Five Nights at Freddy stuff from YouTubers, okay. primarily because a few years ago, this glitchy 
crashy version of a Five Nights at Freddy's game, like a AAA platform version of a Five Nights at Freddy's game came out, mm-hmm. and everybody was playing it on YouTube, and it just crashes all the fucking time. Mm. So, like, that's why I know mm. any Five Nights at Freddy's stuff. Um, but this this looks fine. I think we were talking a little bit before the show. I think you're kind of right. They kind of got scooped on this. Yeah. In the same way that Marvel's totally getting scooped on Secret Invasion by Star Trek Picard, yep. I think that there's not, you know, but not an unreasonable argument. You gotta say, made. okay, do I want a Five Nights at Freddy movie with Nicolas Cage? Yeah. Or one with Josh Hutchinson? Hutchinson. I'll take Nicolas Cage any yeah. fucking day in a movie about animatronics that are possessed and killing people. Yeah. Any day. Yeah. Um, all right, so we gotta do a quick hit also on Barbie. Barbie. This looks very good. It looks interesting. Yeah. I don't quite know who it's for. It looks like it's a musical. I think it's for Kelly. <laughs> well, no, like, my daughter's five. Yeah. And it's like, okay, is it going to be, like, a PG movie? I think it's going to be PG-13. Okay. I think this is for young women and, like, women, like, I would say, like, 13 to, to 60, I think, would be interesting. But, in like, movie. the thing is, is, like, my daughter knows it exists, and yeah. she's insanely excited for it. So it's like, I hope it's not anything too much where I can't take her to it. Yeah. Because, like... Mainly, we're going to Mario for Ethan mm-hmm. and me. Mm-hmm. So she's going with us, but like this was going to be her movie this year, mm-hmm. Barbie. So, like, to me, I'm like, I, I think I need to know more about the story because you don't really get too much. You get the sense that this almost seems like everybody lives on this island and then Barbie has to leave the island and go to the, the, the real world, the, the Hollywood thing. executives that yeah. have been besmirching her name for 40 years or something. And that's where Will Ferrell comes out. Yeah. And so I was like, okay. I mean, I do love how they refer to each other as Barbie, Barbie. because they're all Barbies. Everybody's Barbie and everybody's Ken. <laughs> everybody's Ken. Yeah. And then Ken is like, Ken. And they yeah. say it in the It's freaking. No, I, I think it looks awesome. Yeah. And it's like. I think it looks like it's going to be hilarious. And with Greta Gerwig so. and Noah Baumbach, I. See, this is my thing, is that I want to sit here and say that I have faith because Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach are both very funny people, and they are, and that's true. However, <laughs> for that being the case, a lot of their movies, I don't I don't watch a Wes Anderson movie because I know it was written in part by Noah Baumbach. Yes. I watch it because I know it was also written in part by Wes Anderson. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I've come away from enough Noah Baumbach movies to be like, I don't know. Yeah. And, you know, Lady Bird had its moments that were really, really great. I'm not saying it's a bad movie. It was a very good movie. I just, I don't. I, it's not that I don't have faith in this. I think that it will be funny. I think it's going to come down to how have these two people adapted this work. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's the case with any adaptation is how does it correspond with what we expect and how does it grow from what we want? Yeah. See, for me, I my main takeaway from this is I, I can't wait to see Michael Sarah. <laughs> yeah. Because they, they play him up as like just... The nerdy Ken. It's like, yeah. I can't wait to yeah. see how he plays that. No, I'm so excited how the internet has glommed onto this already. Yeah. Like, I, I do think this looks really, really funny. And Doctor Who's in it, so. Yeah. see Doctor yeah. Who. I will say that everything about Ryan Gosling's face is extremely distracting to me. Um, primarily his terrible spray tan and his weird lips. Yeah. Like, whatever makeup they've done to him, it's it's very distracting. And I know it's all on purpose. And yeah, it, yeah, yeah. That's the whole thing. But, like, every time I see his face, I'm just like, I, whew, I can't not see it, man. It's weird. 
But the scene of all the Kens fighting. Oh my god. Like if there's a scene of, of like G.I. Joe's or action figures like coming on, on the beach like Normandy, like I, I genuinely want to see what this movie yeah. is. I'm very curious. I, I'm I'm interested to see, I don't need to necessarily see another trailer. I need to I really want to get more of a rundown of what the story is. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, I I think you're right with uh what you think it might be. I just, I just need to get it nailed down a little bit more because I still don't know what the hell this movie is. Yeah, it looks entertaining, but yeah. what the fuck is it? I think that you're going to probably be able to show it to Gemma. She's just not going to understand ninety percent of it. Well, that's true too. Yeah, which that's all right. Um, <laughs> all right, so we're moving on to uh, we have two more. Two more. The next one is the one I'm most excited for, and. I'm very happy this trailer came out because I have been lukewarm until this one and this mm-hmm. is the Indiana Jones trailer. Yeah. This looked really fucking good. Like, really good. The deep faking on it, on Young Jones. Oh, my God. It looks really good. It's fa- it, him and um, uh, Mads. Mads Mc- yeah. So yeah. good. But you get you kind of get the whole Dial of Destiny. You find out that it's this artifact that, of course, the Nazis found. Possible time travel elements exactly, to it. Exactly. Can rewrite history. That kind of thing. And Phoebe... Walter Bridge is... Her father, who is uh, Toby Jones. I was thinking that she was going to be Martin Brody's daughter, but I guess not. Yeah, because that scene where she says my father and Toby and Jones... Toby Jones yeah, is in she, the next cut. And and it's a, a one of the flashback ones. Yeah. Um, but this looked so fucking good. Yeah. Like the action in it looked great. It didn't look like when he's riding the horse through the subway, I didn't say, oh, he just looks old. Like, no, that's Indiana Jones riding a fucking horse. Yeah. I don't give a shit how gray his hair is. (laughs) That's Indiana fucking Jones. No, I needed this trailer with this movie. I needed this one because I've watched the other ones and I did love the deep fake, how, how great everything looked, but I just hadn't had this feeling. Yeah. And I got that feeling in this trailer that where I'm, I, I am more excited for this mm-hmm. than I think any other movie coming out this year. Literally, my only note was that I, I, I liked the Rolling Stone music at the beginning to set the yeah. tone. Interlacing it with the theme, didn't love that. That wasn't great. That wasn't great. Yeah. But everything else about this does look really, really Looks good. Really fucking if good. Not for Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I'd be so fucking pumped. Yes. I just like the, the thing. I think I'm excited for is this doesn't feel like a Spielberg Lucas movie. No, it doesn't. Because they have nothing to do with it. Isn't Spielberg directing it? No. Are you I'm a thousand sure? I'm five million percent sure. Lucas had nothing to do with the story and Steven Spielberg's not directing it. I don't know if he's doing any kind of production work, but he's definitely not directing it. Yeah. Um and so it has that it has a different feel to it while still feeling like Indiana Jones. Like that last, the the Kingdom of Crystal Skull, even the trailer, it has this, oh shit, son. What? You got to tell me this shit up front. This is directed by the man who brought us Logan. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know this was a James Mangold piece. Yeah, James Mangold. Oh, well fuck, son. Yeah. Like Kingdom of, uh, the, the, the Last Crusade and Kingdom of Crystal Skull both had this look to it. And I love The Last Crusade. Mm-hmm. They both have this over polished look in some scenes where it's like everything just looks too clean it just looks too bright too clean too different than the first two movies mm-hmm. 
And, like, even the trailer for Crystal Skull, if you watch it now, like, there's the scene where Shia LaBeouf is riding on the motorcycle and everything. And it's just, everything around it looks too clean. Everything about that movie fucking sucks. Oh, it sucks, yeah. It fucking um, sucks. Like, but this movie looks more like just a flat-out action, like the first two movies. Well, I'm going through the list of people involved. And I wish I had before. Yeah. Because I was under the incorrect and blissfully, thankfully, incorrect assumption that uh, this was a Lucas Spielberg joint. Nope. It's Not only is it not a Lucas Spielberg joint, um, you have James Mangold directing, and the two guys that wrote it uh, wrote Edge of Tomorrow and Ford v. Ferrari. Yeah. So it's like, oh. And Edge oh. of Tomorrow is one of the most underrated sci-fi movies in the last 20 years. So this could be great, is yeah. what you're saying, is that this could actually oh, yeah, be great. No, this, and like I said, it was, I needed this trailer. Mm-hmm. And I'm so happy because now this is like, okay. I'm going to see this. I'm going to resort back to being a child again mm-hmm. and just be as happy as can be. I mean, I'm, this isn't going to play because this is visual and this is an audio show. But, like, this is what comes up on the IMDb page, Friends and Enemies. If you look, there's a picture of young Harrison Ford, deep faked, next to old Harrison Ford as he stands. It's unreal. Oh, it's uncanny. You compare this to Tarkin. You compare this to Leia. You compare this to any of the bullshit that Star Wars has pulled in the yep. last five years. Jesus fucking Christ, we live yeah. in the future, man. And it's like, this technology has been around for at least a couple years in, in them in making this movie, which makes not de-aging Anakin and Obi-Wan during that lightsaber fight even more mind-blowing. Everything about everything from the conceit of it to the apologies for it, everything yeah. about Obi-Wan is mind-blowing to me in the worst way possible. Yeah. But, like, how could you not use this technology? Because this is a Disney technology. Yeah. It's like, they are, they they have this technology now. It looks fucking great. It I looks don't great. know what else to say. And to think that this deepfake looks like this, and it was only four years ago that The Irishman came out, yeah. and it was the worst yeah. shit you've ever fucking seen. Yeah. I mean, even The Mandalorian Season 2 with Luke at the end. Yeah. Looked like dog shit. Well, it's funny. Um, I saw someone did a deepfake of Picard season one mm-hmm. to de-age data. And it looked so much better. Oh, I believe And it. it's not because like Brent Spiner, blah, 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 blah. It just looks better if data looks younger. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't look like he's caked with makeup and all that. Like, and it was just a deep fake. Yeah. It was just a deep fake that someone spent like 36 hours on. And it's just like, how, how can the internet get this right when you guys have millions of dollars and don't know what to do? And it's just more of these companies need to do, you know, I, I know some guys that have done these deep fakes have been hired mm-hmm. to work for these companies. And more companies need to do that. Be like, if this fucking kid on his laptop did this shit, mm-hmm. bring him aboard. Yeah. And give him a salary so he could fucking do it for our movies. Yeah. But yeah, I cannot wait. Um, okay, so now we got to talk about the big one. <laughs> Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Part two. Part two. Across um, the Spider-Verse. Across the Spider-Verse. So this, I will let you take full reign of this one. I haven't been this excited about a movie trailer in years. Mm-hmm. Years at this point. Like pre-Infinity War. I think since Civil War was the last time I was this excited about a trailer. It, this movie looks amazing. <laughs> this movie has everything I could ever hope for. Mm-hmm. Like... Anybody who's gone back and listened to my my homecoming rants and everything that I hate about the Tom Holland Spider-Man, and there's a lot of things that I hate about the Tom Holland Spider-Man, so much so that a buddy of mine got me 
a uh, a, a little uh, pop figure mm. gift. And he wasn't sure about giving it to me because it was based on one of the Tom Holland Spider-Man. Oh, you're kidding me. And I was like, well, this is one of the ones that I like because it's from the very end of No Way Home, which has a scene that if you go back and you read my piece on uh, jetsumstudios.work slash Bronx Division, uh, I call for this scene of Peter just at a sewing machine fixing his costume. And we got it <laughs> at the end of, of, uh, from, of, of No Way Home. We've, we've made big, broad steps, right? Mm. And this movie just comes along and says, no, fuck you, he was right. He was right this whole fucking time. And they refer to him. <laughs> they call out, he, they use his home address. They call him out by name. It's so... They call him a little nerd, right? They call him a nerd. And, and, oh my God. Okay, so I cannot, I'm mm. so excited about this. Again, if you go back, I'm going to just keep plugging past episodes. If you go back and you listen to our Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness mm. episode, you will hear me rant about how they called themselves 616. And I said, bullshit, you're not 616. And across the universe, or across the Spider-Verse says, yeah, no, they're not 616. They picked a number and it was 1999999. And no one knows why they fucking picked that number, but they did. And it's the number that they picked. And he calls him out by name. We don't need him here. He sucks. He's terrible. Don't even bring him up. I'm not interested in his help. Fuck him. Yes. Yeah. Fuck that kid. Fuck his frog face. Fuck him. Fuck him, we don't need him! We got a million other Spider-Men here and they're all so much better! Oh, fuck yes! And, we'll and it's like, that's how you connect it to the MCU. Yeah. By telling the MCU you fucked up. Fuck off! But this is now officially canon in the MCU yeah. because it brought he it up. He references the MCU. Yes, he does. And he calls out the MCU and he says, Nah, 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 son. You ain't 616. Mm -hmm. I've been to 616. You ain't 616. Yeah. You can call yourself 616 because you're all backwards ass like some normie, but you ain't 616. Yeah. It'd be like the CW Flash calling themselves Earth Prime. You're not fucking Earth Prime. Yeah. <laughs> they call themselves Earth One, but like they're, they they don't call themselves Earth Prime. Yeah. They know that they're not Earth Prime. So like it, anyway, anyway. Deep breath, deep breath. <laughs> so there's like a million things about this trailer that I'm so excited for. I got to do a special call out to the spot was one of my fucking favorite so awesome. villains of all time and they got him here and he's great he's perfect everything about him is perfect i love it he seems like he's had his powers for two days i fucking love it i can't wait i'm so pumped yeah. the spot the fucking spot is here are you fucking kidding me oh my fucking god yes yeah it is pretty awesome so you get the spot uh, you get Miles having trouble with his family, which is an interesting dynamic. Peter had trouble with his friends. Miles has trouble with his family. Yeah. This is also a universe where Miles doesn't really have Genki Lee as a sidekick. Yeah. Usually Genki would be in his corner kind of helping him out. Some nerd <laughs> from 199999 stole Genki Lee and gave him a different name. He said, oh, no, this is Ned Leeds. Sure. Sure. Uh-huh. Oh, and this man's going to be the Hobgoblin. Yeah. This man. This man. This man's Show going to be the Hobgoblin. Death Star dropper. Give me a fucking break. <laughs> um, so anyway. <laughs> what else? What else can I what else can I be excited for? So so Miles has whisked away into this adventure in the middle of saying, but I can do everything. And it's an adventure about sacrifice and what it actually means to be Spider-Man. Yeah. 
and they name drop Uncle Ben. And Miles is like, but what about Uncle Ben? And, and Peter says what I've been saying for seven years. If not for Uncle Ben, most of us wouldn't be here. Yes. This is it. This is everything. And you have made A. Parker as a baby? My God, what don't you have? It's all here. It's fucking all here. Yeah. My Literally, my only complaint is that they gave Spider-Woman Silk's fingers uh, web shooters. That's it. She's pregnant. She rides a motorcycle. Spider-Punk looks fucking cool as hell. The scene where Peter is giving himself therapy. Oh, and he that says, was awesome. Let me guess. Your uncle died. <laughs> fucking yes. Awesome. This is literally the joke I make anytime yeah. anything comes up. I'm watching The Doom That Came to Gotham. Oh, Bruce, did something happen to your parents, Bruce? Yeah, <laughs> did something bad happen to your parents, Bruce? Like, every fucking time, this is the joke I make is, oh, did something bad happen? Yeah. It's, it's fucking here. I'm so pumped. I'm so ready for this. I just hope, even if he's only in it for a second, they need to show Spider-Ham again. Oh, yeah. Uh, but they haven't shown, and I guess this is a positive, they haven't shown any of, other no. than Gwen and Peter. And PB, yeah. None of the other Spider-Men from the first one. No. So I'm kind of wondering if they're going to play any role in this. If they're going to just be like walking around with all the other Spider-Men. Yeah. Which I'm kind of hoping they don't do too much of the, oh, look at this Spider-Man, look at this Spider-Man. Like I hope they just have that in passing. Yeah. Because like they have the scene where everyone's pointing at each other. Oh, Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But too much of that could be bad. Exactly. But the tone in this trailer shows that it's not going to be that. I don't think there's going to be an entire scene about the Spider-Man that's a horse. But there's going to be a Spider-Man that's a horse in yes. the background. It's like how in the original Into the Spider-Verse, when they're fleeing from the, the Octavius lab, and Spider-Man grabs a bagel and throws it backwards. And if you look, when it hits one of the guys in the head, bagel appears over his head in big block letters. Oh, I, like I a pow. Remember that, yeah. yeah. So it's like, I'm hoping it's going to be stuff like that. Yeah. Where like you pause and it's like, is that a Spider-Man horse? I want it to be like how... And I do give the MCU credit on this, how they did Howard the Duck. Because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, that's Howard the Duck. And he might have subtle. one little line. Subtle, quick. Move on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. If they do that, you're right. This is going to be... Because the first one is the best Spider-Man movie ever made. Oh, yeah. Period. End of story. By far. By a country by mile. An absolute, it's yeah. not even close. And this one... And I, I, I 100% agree with you. They're sticking with the canon. Mm-hmm. And it's like, thank you. This is it. This is Thank what you. I've been begging what is, for. Why could why Sony was this have so hard? Why was this impossible? Why did it take this long? Why did we have four, effectively five movies yeah. of Spider-Man's origin story? Tell me he's Spider-Man at the end of any of those movies before No Way Home. He's fucking not. Yeah. He's a shell that calls himself Spider-Man, but he is not Spider-Man. Yeah. Anybody who can identify Spider-Man can look at this Spider-Man and say immediately, this is wrong, 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 and this is wrong. Mm. All of it's wrong. And here, we get Ben Riley. Mm-hmm. Holy shit, we're going to do Ben Riley. Oh my God. Oh my God. You know what I really, really want? Is I want them to directly reference, I think I've said this on the show before, but I want them to directly reference the Spider-Man animated series from the 90s. And it's not just because that was my introduction to Spider-Man. So he's one of my favorite Spider-Man of all time. He doesn't throw a punch in the entire show. He kicks people sometimes, mm. but like he never punches anybody. He's very anti-violence. And it's just, it's really cool. <laughs> I really love that show. 
and he's played by Prince Eric. <laughs> so mm. what are you going to do? But, like, <laughs> it was also the first Spider-Man property that did Spider-Verse. Mm. So I want to see that Spider-Man here. He can be old. He can be the the one last day. I don't really fucking care. Whatever you want to do, but, like, I want him here. Yeah. Whatever you do. That could be interesting. I want him here. Yeah, no, this... This is going to be good. I'm so fucking pumped. It really is going to be good. I'm so I, fucking I, pumped. When does it come out again? It comes out in, I want to say, either May or July. Let me double check. Um, because, man, we got a lot of movies coming out soon. Yeah, we do. We're going to have to... We got a lot, we're going to have a lot of review reactions. We're going to have to maybe uh, figure out which ones uh, might not make the list, but unfortunately there's quite a few that there's are going to make the list. Yeah. June 2nd. June 2nd. Oh, shit. June 2nd. All right, yeah, we got to see that. Show. Oh, my God. I'm it's... so fucking ready. So we're psyched, folks. Those are our trailers. That's our little rundown. Um, go on YouTube. You can look all these up and uh, let us know what you think about them. Yeah. So we need to move on now to... We, we need to get to TV. Two TV shows we got to talk yeah. about. Okay. So let's talk about this previous week's Mandalorian. Yeah. How do you feel about cameos? Are you pro-cameo or anti-cameo? I am so anti-cameo. In this series, because it's when I saw Lizzo and Jack Black, I'm like, oh, so that's what the show is now. Mm -hmm. It's not a serious character study about Jin and no, it's, oh, let's get big name actors to come cameos on a show that doesn't have any fucking bearing on anything going on with the whole fucking series. And just so we can have Grogu be cute so we can sell more toys. Like, I didn't dislike the episode. Yeah. Like, if it wasn't in The Mandalorian, mm -hmm. if it was in a different series, I would probably have a different reaction to it. See, I found this episode to be much more tolerable than The Convert. The, the infamous episode that just took place on Coruscant. Oh, well, that was that, fucking terrible. Well, but this is my point, is that yeah. of the lowest point in the series... This was not that. Because I think Jack Black gave one of his best performances maybe ever here. <laughs> like, no, he was so understated. And, and, you know, even Lizzo wasn't bad. But it's like, as soon as I saw her, all I could see is Megan the Stallion twerking yeah. with fucking She-Hulk. It's like, you, why are you putting these fucking... Why are you pulling Game of Thrones where it's like, oh, there's Ed Sheeran. It's like, no, why are you doing this? You're... Like, the great thing about Star Wars is... They had cameos, and you had no fucking idea. Well, you have Daniel Craig as a stormtrooper. Yeah, and 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 in Force Awakens, and also yeah. in the beginning, the the that arms dealer, the, the guy with Simon Pegg, with Simon Pegg that yeah. Ray was selling the wares to. You don't fucking know. Yeah, and that was the great part about Star Wars is there were cameos, and you were told a cameo was in it, but you had to figure out who the fuck it was, where they were. Lin Manuel Miranda was part of the Cantina band. Yeah. Force Awakens. Like, there you go. Force Awakens is just madcap yeah. with it. And Mandalorian was very good about it. In season one, Jason Sudeikis, and I think it's Will Forte, play Stormtroopers. Yes, at the end. They're yeah. the ones that... They're the ones that want to look at Grogu in the bag and yes. punch him at one point. Yes. Yeah. Can't tell. No, couldn't tell. Not at all. But, like, I, I agree with you. It is distracting. I didn't find it repellent. I found it distracting in the sense of like, oh hey Jables, what are you doing here? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you you got you your agent talked to Disney and said Jack would love to be in Star Wars, and see I find it repellent because it's not this series. Yeah, this in the first two seasons. But like this... Bill Burr, when Bill Burr shows up, like Bill Burr shows up out of nowhere and and like he's 
enough of a face at that time. He is, but he's... Like, he plays a, a not a goofy character, really, in that mm-hmm. first... I mean, he's a little comedic in that first one. But then he's the standout actor of the fucking second season. Mm-hmm. That one scene is, is fucking phenomenal. Like, that whole episode. But it's but even Bill Burr, I mean, I guarantee there's hardly anyone knew, who watches this probably knew who the fuck he was. I don't know. Bill Burr is kind of... He is getting big, but he's still, like... He I thought I could a show, moment at that time. But he like, was on Jack SNL Black, and, like... Christopher Lloyd. Yeah. I don't know. It's just... I think, honestly, of all... Of what is it? Four? Four of them? Four of them. I think Lizzo's probably the one that most people recognized out of Chris Lloyd, Bill Burr, uh, Jack Black, and Most Lizzo. younger people. I, well, this is what I'm saying. Yeah, is of, yeah. the, of the quote-unquote target audience that, that Mandalorian has, yeah. most people probably recognized Lizzo, and then Jack Black, and then Bill Burr. Honestly, I don't know how many people recognized Chris Lloyd who are under the age of 25. Chris Lloyd looks old as shit, too. But it, somebody had put a grade online. They're like, why did they have to put a side quest in The Mandalorian? They made it into a... They had a single episode that was, again, similar to would you watch an office drama? Would you watch a police procedural that yeah. takes place in the Star Wars universe? A tongue-in-cheek police procedural. Yeah. It wasn't even tongue in cheek. It was just as, it was a it was almost Lynchian. Like it was a straight up procedural. It was basically yeah. an episode of uh, Law and Order without a droid unloading crates. Yeah. Like that's the only thing that differentiated it from an episode of Law and Order. But and it like, was yeah, and, and I think that's my problem. It's like I didn't. That's not what you come to Mandalorian. It's for. not what I come for. For yeah. Like once again, if it was a different series, I would have a much different take on it. If you did this as like a what if series. Like yeah. a, across the galaxy. Like these are the stories that take place across the galaxy. And it's like if you did it as its own standalone thing where you could like test the waters and see if anything took and then you could, you know, springboard something to series if it really caught, fine. But I, I do agree with you in this regard. Don't do it here. <laughs> if you, like I didn't mind this episode. I thought it was fun. I thought it was interesting. I thought that there was a lot of good growth between Bo and Din. However... I would be lying if I said that I feel like we're still not any closer to season one. Yes. You know, it, we, we are not where we were at that time. And I love when Bryce Dallas Howard does these episodes. Mm. She's done some of my favorite episodes of The Mandalorian. This one I like. I just, I do feel like we have gotten away from, this is Din's journey, and yet somehow it doesn't feel like it's just no. Din's journey anymore. And somebody online, too, they said... They are getting a sinking feeling, and I'm feeling it more with this season. Is the Mandalorian Bo-Katan? That's what I'm wondering too. Because it's not like, that specifically, but like Bo-Katan seems to be taking over the show. Yeah, which it's like fine, but you played it as this is one character's journey yeah. for two seasons, and then all of a sudden it's this other character's journey. Yeah, and well, I'm still wondering if there's going to be a some sort of of betrayal. Uh, well, or... I'm assuming there is. They're setting it up to be the day she <clears throat> becomes the bad guy is going to be the least shocking thing yeah. I've ever had in my that's life. What, that's the only thing I can think of is that you're spending this much time on Bo so that when she turns and becomes yeah. the villain, everybody's like, oh no! Yeah. But like, it, it almost seems too obvious because you're oh, spending so much time on obvious. her. Yeah. It, you wonder, like, was Pedro Pascal not available to do VO? Like why isn't he? I don't know. Why isn't he so much more of a character? I get I, that Bo makes a more presentable character because she's more outgoing naturally yeah. than Din is. But like that's why we like Din. 
is because he's quiet and yeah. he's tough and he gives off a sense of of authority and hey you know the 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 blank face works mm-hmm. really well for putting yourself in the main character's shoes kind of an essential element to certain elements mm-hmm. of storytelling so and with each episode i get more and more frustrated with Garbo. Hmm. I didn't mind him in this one. He is the most useless fucking character other than selling merchandise. You don't like that he got knighted? No! <laughs> I was so fucking mad at that. And then he's like, oh, he's like a baby. He has shown that he's got force abilities and you don't use him for shit. Well, like they used him more in the first season. Then they've used them in this season. He uses them to help the Queen of Hearts win at croquet. Fuck you. <laughs> I, hate you. I hate you so much. No, but it's like, I I want, I loved his arc and how they were building him up and how they used those episodes in Book of Boba Fett to show him like with the training mm-hmm. and he foregoes his training, but it's like, okay, so he's following like Luke's path. But now, this whole season, he has done jack shit. Literally jack shit, other than be cute. It's Grogu's rumspringer. <laughs> he's just He's been a out. rumspringer, all right. He's seeing the world. He's experiencing things he's never known before. It's like every episode, somebody's got to be like, oh, he's so cute. Let me do this face. It's like, I'm going to shoot myself because, yes, everyone knows he's Baby Yoda and he's cute. Now give him some fucking characteristics. Give him some kind of story arc other than just I'm gonna follow around and sell merchandise for the Mandalorian. It, it, my my original idea that this season was gonna culminate with him being able to talk is starting to drift further and further. Oh yeah, see. there's no fucking way. Yeah, he's gonna say he's gonna say like Ken, and everyone's gonna be like, oh my god, and start crying. Yeah, it's like no, I want to see him fucking pick one of those droids up with the force and crush his ass because yeah. he can. Yeah. Do it! This guy, this little fucker's powerful! I, I do like, though, that they, they did take some time to try and rehabilitate, quite literally, the droids in the Star Wars universe and kind of explain <coughs> for the first time ever. Like, it's one of those things that is in every Star Wars and yet never touched on, mm. is what is a droid and what is a droid's role in society? I will give you this. Probably the best single scene of this show so far this season was when they were in the droid bar. This is what I'm saying. That was by far the best scene. Yeah. That one scene. Like, I take that out of this episode and I can say, that is what I want more of. Because that was impeccable writing. It was emotional. It was eye-opening to, Mm -hmm. like you're saying, how droids... You know, you, you know that they have a conscience... Like, they know they're alive. They, I mean, look at C-3PO. He's yeah. pretty much a fucking person. Well, like, this is one of those conversations that nerds have had since I joined the fandom. Yeah. Is, what is a droid? And why are people allowed to treat them the way that they treat yeah. them? And do they have feelings? Because they seem to have feelings, and people treat them like they don't. So what is a droid exactly? Yeah. And this kind of starts to explore that idea. Not that we're necessarily going to continue to explore that idea but like this is i will say this this is one of the things that i do think that we're missing out on is that mandalorian used to do this they used to take an idea that was somewhere in the universe and it was janky as hell and they would pluck it off the tree and they'd clean it up and they'd shave it and they'd get it really nice and they'd present it as this very nice meal yeah and you'd be like wow i didn't think that you could do that 
with the the N one fighters from Nabu. Like mm. I didn't think you could make that cool, and like they don't do that enough anymore. No. I, I wish that they would go back and do that more. They're making it. This season is more mainstream than it needs to be. I would agree with that. It is more mainstream than the other seasons have been. Like they need they need to. It's take a lot the more toned down a little bit, and yeah, make it a little edgier like it used to be. It's like yeah. that. Like I love the second season is one of my favorite seasons of TV because it was it was very edgy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it had some lighter moments, but it was just so well done. And this season is 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 not been bad. It's just been a letdown compared to what we're expecting. Yeah, and I don't necessarily like the direction they're going mm-hmm. with the whole Bo-Katan stuff. I'm like. This is the best storyline you have. Like, this is the best, you know, the Mandalorians trying to get back to Mandalore and all that. It's like, I don't know. I don't know. It just seems like they're 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 just spinning in circles trying to get to a place where I don't know if they're going to be able to get to by the end of the season. Well, and also there's this question of, so you establish this base on Navarro. Yes. But the long goal is still to retake Mandalore. Yes. So why do we need to establish a base on Navarro? Yes. We weren't on Navarro. We don't gain anything by going to Navarro. Why, why do we need to establish a base the there? Moons around Mandalore. Why don't we just go to Mandalore? Yeah. And so like this is this is kind of the plague of this season. Yeah. Is that they sell you this one thing and you just sit there, but wait a minute. I'm sorry. I can't get over this one thing though. Yeah, because I thought Bo-Katan had a palace on a She has moon. a palace on the moon of Mandalore. Mandalore. Yeah. So it's like there you go. I don't fucking understand. go to there. Yeah. He has a fucking palace, I, an empty palace. I don't understand. I'm a little confused. Also, I, I, I thought it. we were going to explore more of the idea of whether Din is in a cult or not. Yeah, I guess not. It it seemed like a, a time there was like a societal difference, but now I'm not even sure if that's the case. Like I, just, I'm just confused. I I guess I'm just confused yeah. because you tell me that a Mandalorian is one thing, and then you have a Mandalorian say that foundlings aren't really Mandalorians, and he's just like. I don't know anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 giving me a headache like the Terminator movies do. It's like I don't know where you're going with this, and my brain hurts, and you're like backtracking on shit, and you're going down paths that don't make sense. And I'm fine with this, but I think if that one episode on Coruscant didn't exist, this would be my least favorite episode of the season. And it's not because it's a bad episode, but I think you're right. It's just not necessarily what I want out of Mandalorian. Yeah, no. Like, it's it's fine. It's fine. And Mandalorian does one-off episodes all the time. But there's something different about this versus the episode where he lands on the moon, where they have the ATST walker that's pinned down this village, and he has to team up with... Uh, dude, which was also a Bryce Dallas Howard. Which was also a Bryce yeah. Dallas Howard episode. It's but like also a standalone episode, also its own thing, kind of a genre piece, westerny kind of thing. But mm-hmm. that's how all of season one was. All of season one was a western, and yep. this is uh, not. This and is... even season two, season two had a lot of that vibe yeah. too. And it's just you're right. There's something about making him part of a team that that got rid of that western yeah. feel of it, where now it's like, oh no, now we're a society. And it's not even like a wagon train society thing. It's like mm-hmm. something else. It seemed like they had an idea through the arc of Grogu and figuring out who he is yeah. and all that. And then after that, they're like, well, what are you going to do? What do you want to do now? Oh, well, let's get these characters that we introduced at the end of season two and make them the big story. And it's like, 
let's retake Mandalore. Let's <sighs> explore these no. things. But we aren't actually exploring them. Because, like, in a I'll be honest, way. I don't really give a fuck about you retaking Mandalore. Mm-hmm. I don't. I give a fuck about you interacting with the other creatures and beings of this universe. Well, and honestly, it doesn't look like retaking Mandalore is going to be that big a deal. Yeah, there's fucking what? Some underground fine. creatures that you got to kill? Yeah, it seems pretty, pretty good. Easy. Yeah. It seems pretty fine. I was it, expecting Molten Earth, and this is not Molten Earth. No, but I mean, that's the thing. is, It's like, it seems the only thing that you need to do with Mandalore is maybe some terraforming because it still has... The, some of the outer shell has, has been yeah. turned to glass, and it's like, okay, well... We'll figure that out. We can figure that out. Get some garden yeah. tools and get go to town. Yeah, no, I, I I would give this like a solid B- minus as that episode, but the fact that I want to give it a grade to show that I don't hate it also kind of shows that it's got some it's got some works that needs to tweak out. I don't think that the cameos bothered me as much as they bothered you. Oh, they bothered me so much. But I, I also... Like, I came away from this episode being like, this is pretty good. But if I compare it to season one, is it, it, it's it's decent, yeah. but it's not as good as any one given episode of season one is. Mm. And that's not bad, and it's not fair, but it's also kind of true. Mm. And also, I'm just, you really are turning me over and over and over again with some of these plot points of Din gets captured, Bo saves Din with the dark saber then takes back the dark saber carries it around for like three weeks while hanging out with Bo, but waits to give it to her until this exact moment yeah because they had to have that thumbnail of her holding the dark saber with din standing next to her or like you could make the argument that like it had to be done in front of her people so that they mm. believed it but like even then i'm just like all they needed was for you to show up with it they didn't need to learn how you showed up with it. They didn't care about that. That wasn't what was big. And that's what pissed me off about this episode, though. It's because that little pigeonhole quick thing they did at the end, that should have been the episode. And it mm-hmm. shouldn't have been a quick little thing. It should have been the characters kind of dealing with this rogue group of Mandalorians. Yeah. Like, I wanted to see more of that. And it's like, none of that other shit that happened during the episode had anything to do with no the story. it literally is just a it's a video game side quest it is absolutely it's you get to town and in order to enter town you have to do this one thing and when you have 30 to 40 minute long episodes in a like 10 episode season you cannot waste it like the courtesan bullshit one yeah you can't waste your time on these stupid bullshit side things like this is the things you and i hated about the the rafi wharf and star star trek yeah where it's like you, you're doing a great job focusing, and then it's that little... And even their shit had meaning to the story. It just took you away from the best part of the story. Yeah. Where this thing had zero no, to do these, with it. No, these characters are never going to come up again. Ever, ever. And, you know, like, the only way that it's going to come up is that at some point, Mandalorian's going to have to petition to be recognized as a, as a sovereign state, and someone's going to be like, do you have another state that will speak for you? And Lizzo will stand up and be like, we say that Mandalorian, blah, 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 yeah. blah. Like, that's the only thing that we got out of it. See, to me, it seemed like the only reason this episode existed was to put those three cameos in. Mm-hmm. That's what it felt like to me. It's like, oh, we got these people. Where can we put them in? Oh, let's just write a side story. It has nothing to do with the fucking show, even though everything seems like it's like life or death. Fuck it. We'll just make this little stupid side quest so we can put these characters in. And I think that's what really bothered me. It's like, once again, I don't think it was a bad episode as a stand, as a one-off, but in the whole scheme of this season, I just need shit to start happening. 
even if the Mandalorians, the rogue Mandalorians, were also trying to solve the crime at the same time. So there was some kind of like back and forth of like passing in the night or something, some other element to tie them into the story proper. Because I agree with you, that's what we're here for. Like that, yes. that's that's what we're actually literally on this planet ticking. for. And it just it it seems like a lot of rigmarole to get to them. And while it is fun rigmarole, like I like going through a corn maze, it's fun, it's entertaining. But when you've been in there for two hours, you're kind of like, I don't know, this has been a long, long time. That's kind of how this felt was like yeah. by the end you're like okay good now we can move on to the actual story and especially some of the shows that we've watched one of our criticisms is when it gets to the finales or the last couple episodes they rush it yeah because they need to get all this information and it's like i hope they don't do that with this because you, if you they had do time. that and they fucked it up by doing this stupid bullshit that's actually a really good point that would that make me very unhappy there have been so many points in this entire season where it feels like they could tune it up seriously. Yeah. Like a lot of these scenes, either in terms of the dialogue, the direction, the writing, something, some element of it can be done better. Yeah. And so if you get to the end of the ep- the season and it feels like it's unsatisfying or doesn't in some way actually answer the questions raised, the limited amount of questions raised in this yeah. season, or to the show in general, you're going to just end up being like, What's the fucking point of all this? Yeah. What was the fucking point? I don't know. What was the fucking point of all That's this? That's what I'm getting nervous about. Yeah. Like, I mean, we saw it early on with the whole fixing Taika Waititi's droid. Yeah. And, and then they then just abandoned that, that, that plan. But it's like all the time they wasted dealing with that, you could have been like, dude. And all of that was just to reintroduce us to Navarro. That's literally all yeah. that served. And like, you know how many of those little, what are those little creatures? Those that, little plushies, yeah. I've seen those goddamn plushies everywhere. It's like, Oh, so you wanted to introduce them to sell fucking toys. Yeah, reintroduce God, them. I hate Disney. They were they were in a failed Star Wars property, so now we gotta bring them into well, a yeah, successful Star successful. Wars property. But it's like fuck I really I'm getting and I've been concerned. I we you know once again Andor kinda of brought me back, but I'm still I'm afraid they're not gonna stick this landing. I just like I do wish that we were still closer to the original Mandalorian yes. in terms of what the story was, what we were doing episode to episode, what the goals and desires of the characters were, how the side characters came in and out of the story. I like the way that that flows so much more than this. Yeah. It, like I'm approaching this as a screenwriting class. The guy who's writing the script says, okay, so I have this script and they retake Mandalore and blah, blah, blah. And you at, in the screenwriting class say, I thought Mandalore had, like, the whole planet was glass and uninhabitable. And the guy says, oh, yeah, no. You know what? No, it, it's fine. Yeah. It's fine enough. We can manage. We can manage. Oh, okay. So why didn't we do this before? Oh, we didn't know that it was fine. Does anybody live near Mandalore? Yeah. Nobody checked it out. Yeah. At all. That whole time. And it's just, you're just sitting there like, I shouldn't be able to pick this apart, man. Like, if and I... Once again... You have a fucking moon with a palace that you could easily inhabit with all the Mandalorians and rebuild the 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 like Mandalorian culture and society and then take little excursions down to the planet, the planet. to figure out what the fuck's going on. Well, when you have all this these sensor arrays that can tell you all these different things, yeah. you can definitely measure things from of the planet from the moon. And it, you know, Oh, I, but there's those lightning storms you have to fly through. 
instead of the bright sunny areas. Yeah. So once you get below the clouds, be there's some really nice angles yeah. of, of rays of light breaking yeah, real, through. Like big open areas of yeah, sun. I don't want to get wanna get into that. That still pisses me off. No, I I just like uh, I'm not I'm not even disappointed in this episode, but I do think you're right. Once we get to the end of the series, a lot of things are going to be Norman Bates. There's a lot of Norman Bates in this. Yeah. Of just like, where is this going? Is this going to culminate in something? Is and this they've done cool? a really good job in the first two seasons of ending the season with a solid ending. Yeah. Not like a cliffhanger. Not like, oh, what's going to happen next season? It's like, okay, we know there's more stuff that's going to happen, but it was a legit ending. Yeah. And I'm afraid that this is, it's either going to be rushed or it's going to be like, she's going to betray him in the last episode. And it's going to be like, all right, what's going to happen in season four? And that'll just piss me off. Yeah. Cause it's like, don't do that. That's shit. where we ended season two. Was that with them at odds with each other? You might they remember. They were at odds with each other, but it was still. No, that's what I'm saying. Is like yeah. that to the studios. Like exactly. I'm, to the studios. I'm saying like, that's where, that's exactly where we were at the beginning of the season. Exactly. And like, I, I just don't know, man. I don't know. I, I, I'm nervous. I hope it can work out, but at the same time, depending on where these balls come down, it's gonna really determine how this ends up yeah. looking in the long run. I look at Andor, and my big complaint is the Norman Bates storyline. Oh, absolutely! It wastes so much time for nothing. You yeah. get nothing out of it. And I've had people argue like, "Oh, you get this, and you get this, and you get..." No. You don't. You don't get any of those things because the amount of time we spent with Norman Bates to get him to this point doesn't make it any better than if we had just skipped to that point in the first place. Yes. So it doesn't mean anything to me. And they had so many opportunities to, to make him fully lunatic. Yeah. Kill his mom and do all that crazy stuff we were expecting him to do. Yeah. And then it just he just became a creepy stalker. So we got to move on to Star Trek, Picard. Yep. You could tell they're winding down. Yeah, I think this is the second to last episode. I think second to last. Um, it has very second to last episode feels. It, it talk about feels. There's the part where the entire original cast is sitting around a table, mm -hmm. and I was smiling so hard from <laughs> ear to ear because it's like, and once again, I, I'm going to use the Force Awakens as the example on this. All anyone wanted was Luke, Han, and Leia together. Yeah. With, and Chewie. Those four to stand in the same area, throw um, C-3PO and R2-D2 in there. That's all anyone wanted. And we never got it and we'll never get it. All we wanted was to see all of the original cast from Next Generation and they fucking gave it to us. Yeah. There wasn't a side character. Jack wasn't there. Rafi wasn't there. It was the fucking core crew, including Data, which including we... Including Data. I was... I was smiling so fucking yeah. hard. It was yeah. such a great, beautiful part. I did like this episode a lot more than last episode. Oh yeah. This kinda this kinda helped bring into fruition what Picard was originally planning. I've I've been watching a lot of D D, so I, I, I look at things in mm. terms of dice rolls. You took so many stupid risks yeah. to get to this point, Picard. From saying, let's take down the partition to let's bring the changelings on the ship. Mm. All of these are terrible decisions, my dude. They're all awful decisions. Yeah. But it worked out. <laughs> it worked out. And it gave us... God, God, fuck, I love Amanda Plummer. And boy, did oh, she boy. die with the best, best one-liner. 
fucking skin back. She yeah. says she goes on to space. I was like, yes, that's the best way to die. Drop well, an F bomb. You never know. She might not be dead. She might not be dead, she even though she looks just like what's his face from Infinity War yeah. when he got shot out into space. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, so she's got the the bridge crew hostage. I'm trying to get Jack to come up, and she's threatening to shoot him, and then he uses his telekinetic powers to try to override the system. Yeah. And uh, that all that shit was cool. I, I still... I think they took a little too long with the whole... Like, every time they kept cutting back to Jack and, and Picard and, all, and, and Beverly. Yeah. That happened too much. That, I will agree. Because there was... Uh, the scene of Amanda Plummer picking the oh, crew was members awesome. was so fucking good it was she's and so good she, her whole scene was so good she's such an underrated actor and so when when you would cut back to jack and it would just be the same reactions exactly i thought like, it was the same scene a couple times yeah like that's how i was i was a little yeah. disappointed with that i did love the whole um data versus lore in data's mind and how he beat lore did you see that brent spiner finally got to live out his dream and actually chew scenery yeah when he takes the pipe and he puts it in his mouth he finally gets to actually chew scenery scenery. but i i love how they did that how he said the only difference between him and lore is how is their their experiences yeah and by data giving him all his memories he was giving lore he was making lore into data and i was like that's fucking genius i was expecting there to be more lore left over yeah than it, but like they're like it's data, and he's like now he can use contractions and he uses humor. Yeah, he has, and even data said he goes. There's still lore in there. Yeah, but, but I, he's in charge. I expected there to be more lore, which I'm still curious if that'll happen. Yeah, because he said everyone's still in there, like yeah. all of the the all four of them are all yeah. in there. Um, so I am curious. I do like it. I at the end, I I did come around to it when it was happening. I kind of offhandedly said, well, if he gives all of his memories to Lore, then Lore will be Data. And I turned to Kelly and I say, Lata. <laughs> that's exactly what happens. Yes. And I was like, oh, in my mind, there was going to be more conflict, even in post of like, Data says like a, a kind of like, I wanted him to be like David Tennant rude. Yeah. Where like he says a rude thing every once in a while. But see, like, that's the great thing though, is the Data versus Lore, it was Data. Yeah. Not data prime that we see. So it was still the very analytical, no emotion data. Yeah. And so that's why he's acting very robotic. Because yeah. he was. He was he was acting like yeah. fucking old school data. And I did love the emotional where he hugs him and says, I love you, brother, goodbye. And yeah. like that was like I don't know. I, I just thought, you know, oh, at it was first, all well done. It was very well done. There were parts a little bit where I where I was getting a little like, okay, this is kind of weird. It was more conceit. I like the execution. The execution yeah. was good. It was it was more the conceit of it that I was like, oh, I kind of expected there to be more to this yeah. than just this. I like the way that it was done in terms of like Data literally pulling things out and like handing them to Lore. Like when he pulls out Spot, you're like, Jesus fucking. That Christ. was his, and like he said, this is my the biggest b- part of the me. biggest part of me, which yeah. was awesome. Yeah. So like I I really like that. That was very emotional. And the moment when Jordy and Data finally get to talk to each other and you know have their moment together it's like oh it was really really yeah. emotional and good i really yeah. really liked all of it was it. and it was it was fucking oh it was so good yeah. and when fucking uh when Worf saves Riker and deanna troy and starts 
being romantic towards the end. I was like, and then Riker's like, is the torture uh, continuing? Is this continuing? I fucking laughed my ass off. I was like, this is awesome. Yeah. And because that's what I was, that's how Worf would have acted yeah. in that situation. And so for it to actually happen, I was like, kind of like you with the Spider Man thing. I'm like, this better not be like, oh, we got to go. It's like, no, Worf was manly in love with her and he's doesn't think like normal people and he would say exactly what he said. Well, not only that, he's gone on this journey of peace and pacifism, yeah. which her influence would be immense on, which he oh, says. Oh, absolutely, yeah. He, absolutely. he says directly to her and you're like, yeah, I bet it was. I bet it fucking was. Yeah. Like all the moments where the next gen crew are talking to each other, you're like, wow, yeah, I, that, that tracks. That yeah. fucking tracks. Um, I do wonder if Deanna's a changeling. Is anybody else See, getting this kind of? I got that vibe, especially when she does does that like mind meld with Jack. With Jack at the end. But the only thing is, I don't think a changeling would have her psychic. That's abilities. what I was trying to figure out because, like, if we are pulling this by scroll rules, theoretically the scrolls become so alike to their counterparts that they take mm. on the powers and abilities of their counterparts. So theoretically, See, I don't think that's the same thing. That's what I'm trying stuff. to figure out yeah. is like, is how close can a changeling get yeah. to the real thing? So that's why I'm like, it. I wouldn't be shocked if she is because I had that same thought. She just really wants that red door open. She wants that door open. And I feel like opening that red door is a very bad idea. Yeah. It's, and like her knowing about the door. And she really wants it open. Yeah. And I'm just like, I don't know. I feel like Riker to test with her yeah. or something somebody must have noticed something before now but she really wants this door open yeah and this seems so like the kind of door is not open i'm very curious yeah but it's it's like I, I you know i love how the okay one of my only other issues was i didn't get the whole when seven at nine jumps back onto the bridge mm-hmm. and they didn't just shoot her because it's like Okay. Yeah. So she just came back out and you're going to be going to let like, her just hang out here. Oh, it's you. And it's like, okay. Yeah. Unless she's a changeling. Did she see a moment of like, oh, we're going to lose everything if we don't do this right now. I have to sacrifice all these other changelings in order to, to execute our final goal. That's what goal. I'm talking about. Yeah. See, that was a thought I had later. And I'm like, oh, she might be. Because that's the only thing that would make that scene not stupid mm-hmm. because Amanda Plummer's character if she knows she's a changeling she wouldn't kill her yeah but in any other point they would have shot her ass for jumping back out because they were going to kill them anyways until they put them all in the room yeah so her coming out knowing she's former Borg and has slightly superhuman abilities as far as fighting and whatnot yeah. it didn't make sense that they'd be cool with her just coming back out and being like oh okay I also I know that Shaw took a beating I mean, he's taken like four different beatings yeah. at this point. Man's pretty broken. But I, I was like, the the way that Shaw was just like, oh, we're all fucking dead. Like the whole episode was just like, oh, we're all fucking dead. Like there's there's no point. Yeah. We're just going to let them kill us all off one by one and that's going to be it. And I was like, oh, this isn't the Shaw I knew from like three episodes see, ago. Show, see, what he's showing me though in these episodes is that he's nothing like Picard or Kirk. A well-seasoned captain. Everything to him, we're not going to win. Everything is the Kobayashi Maru to him. Yeah. And I'm hoping that this is him like evolving and seeing, okay, maybe everything isn't 
Like, where he thinks Picard's fucking up, and then all of a sudden, something happens, and he's like, oh, maybe just gotta take chances. I wish there was more of him a little bit in this episode. Yeah. There wasn't a ton. I really, I've gotten to really like his character. I really like Shaw. <laughs> I like Shaw a lot. And I love his, like, badass uniform, where it's yeah. kind of, it almost looks like a leather jacket yeah. kind of thing. He stopped wearing the captain's uniform, like, three episodes ago. Yeah, yeah, he's fucking, he's not <laughs> fucking around now. Um, I will say this. Yes. If this is the second to last episode, which it really feels like it is. I'm going to check really quick. There was one thing that we brought up previously that we wanted to see that if this is the second to last episode, we aren't going to get to see it. Uh, there's two more episodes. Okay. There are two more episodes. Okay. That being said, do you think Soji and Wesley are going to come back? I don't know. Are we going to get a cap on that? See, the only, the only silver lining is luckily this is not one of those douchebag Disney shows that's half hour long. Yeah. So we're seeing pretty much with these last two episodes a two-hour movie. Mm-hmm. You can't have... The final episode of Picard, or final season of Picard, with all of the Next Generation cast, and not have Wesley Crusher make an appearance. He yeah. fucking... I don't even give a shit about Soji. Wesley Crusher has to make a fucking appearance in front of his mom. <laughs> his in mom front and of brother are, are there. Yes. Like, he should probably be here. He's got to make an appearance. He yeah. has to make a fucking appearance. Yeah. Like, I, I... That will be a crushing disappointment for me if they do, if they miss this opportunity yeah because they they've done so well this season to make up for last season so fucking well that it's like you've done everything right so far don't fuck that up no you gotta fucking have him and like we need a cap on this of some kind yeah of just it can't just be that wesley comes back for pre-soji soji whatever she was from last year yeah and is like come join our group of beyonders and like, okay. Mm. And is there going to be like a Beyonder show? Is this going to be like its own thing? Is this nothing? Is this absolutely nothing? Mm-hmm. Where is this going? So you got two know. episodes. You going to do anything with this? You gonna see? Um, I'm, I'm very hopeful. I, I am excited to see. Because this is setting up to be a fucking crazy finale mm-hmm. with, with all the changelings that have taken over Starfleet. It's got to resolve, and it's going to resolve in a very violent way, I have a feeling. The and whole I'm crew's very here. excited. Yeah. I'm very excited. I'll be honest, as a... I'm, I will not say I'm a Star Trek apologist, because I will admit when the shit is bad. But this season will be high in my books based on that one scene of them all sitting around the table together. Because it's, it's like, good. that's what I wanted. And it, Out it, of this whole season... That is what I wanted, and I got it. And it tracks. Like, everything about it tracks in terms of not only having them all there, but also the progression of all of them. All of them exactly. have grown as people. Even Data is certifiably different yeah. than he ever has been before. And so it's like everybody here has grown in dramatic different mm-hmm. ways. So I, I do agree with you. Having that was a very special moment mm-hmm. of having just the entire crew just there. It was like the, the Amanda Plummer stuff was resolved in the first 30 minutes of the episode, and the last 30 minutes was just like, so what are we going to do about Jack? Because Deanna came on the ship and was like, holy shit, there's evil on this ship. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, what's going to happen? Yeah, I, I'm very curious about that. And then I, I am also wondering if they're going to touch on Picard's remains or just blow yeah. up. What did was, they get transported What was over? that? Did they get pulled over to the ship? Are they on the Titan now? I don't, or did they blow them up with the rest of the Changeling ship? Or did ship? they already get what they needed? Well, it seemed like the Changelings had already taken what they needed out of Picard's yeah. brain. Because they took whatever Jack's syndrome is, it's connected to the Eremotic syndrome that he and Picard both have. Yes. The Changelings took that part of Picard's brain 
I don't know what they're going to do with that. So uh, this whole thing, like, this is the one thing about it. I know everything about the plot, and yet I have no fucking clue what's happening. Yeah. Where's all this going? Yeah. What is the final plan here? Why is Jack telepathic? Is it just because he's the son of Charles Xavier? It can't just be because he's the son of Charles Xavier, can it? And I love how, like, his reaction when Amanda Plummer pretty much tells him that I know exactly what your abilities are. Yeah, I know your red door. And he's like, holy fuck, she knows me. Yeah. And it's like... Okay, well, what's that relationship? Yeah. Like, it is getting to that point where I know there's only two episodes left, but it's like, okay, who the fuck is Jack Crusher? What the fuck is going on? Who is he? What are his abilities? You literally la- ended last episode saying, Jack Crusher, it's time for you to learn who you really are. And we still don't know! Yeah. <laughs> Fucking tell us, I please! I wanted it was so goddamn bad. I need to know! Um... So yeah, I mean, it was it was a really good episode. This whole season has been solid. Yeah, it's not Strange New World level. No, but it's still in that B plus A minus. I would put it like an A minus. The Rafi Wharf stuff is distracting and yeah. annoying, and it you know we aren't going to touch on it here. But Rafi has a whole fight scene in this episode, and like which actually wasn't bad. It was fine. I was it, just yeah. sitting there like, but what's the point of this again? Is it just to have Rafi do something? Yeah, because she literally does nothing. So it's like, well, we have to have Rafi do something. To me, it's like, if you're going to have her in an episode, just have her not say much and kill people. It's like, okay, I'm good with that. Because uh, Michelle Hurd, she is very good at the stunts. I buy her as like a physical, like action star quality. Because she pulls it off. Like mm-hmm. she can kick some ass. So it's like, okay, just have her do that. Mm-hmm. That whole emotional thing with her, like, that whole sense. Because even now, it makes that look even worse because mm-hmm. it has not been touched on again. No. So it was completely unnecessary. <laughs> you remember when her husband held the entire galaxy hostage? Yeah. I wish they could just go back and be like, get an eraser and just go like, okay. You could have her, like, touching on with Worf about how difficult it is for her being undercover because of her previous addictions and he can say well that's why you're so good undercover and it's like okay but then the whole husband thing and the son and all that part you don't need any of that shit i'm gonna be fully honest with you i think that the way rafi's story should have ended is with her getting her son and ex-husband off the planet and granddaughter off the planet and she has to be killed so that wharf can get away and that's, that's her great sacrifice, is that she's the reason that Worf can go out and save Riker and do all these other things. And meanwhile, she gets to be redeemed in the mm. eyes of her son and her ex-husband. And See, I'm wondering if the only reason she has the role she has in this is the showrunners are like, we need some kind Somebody of continuation from the first from season. The first season. Yeah. yeah. And really, it's just her. She's literally it. Yeah. She's literally... Seven and nine, but... Seven was already in Star Trek, though. Yeah, exactly. She was already established. Rafi is the only character who was established in Picard who is still in Picard. Yeah. Even Elnor's not in this season. Yeah. You know, Elnor didn't get, you know, married in the past or become the Borg Queen. Where the fuck is Elnor? Yeah. We spent all last year saving Elnor and making sure that he wasn't dead, and he's just nowhere. It's weird. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I'm very excited for these last two episodes. I have really... I, I mean, really this, am excited. This, this is truly the character Jean-Luc Picard's swan song, and they need to stick the landing on it. Yeah. 
because they've done a, a, a solid job this season, but it's like, okay. The mind's eye of a lot of people, minus the Charles Xavier, the life's work of Patrick Stewart. Mm-hmm. Like, the most defining thing of his career. The thing most people will recognize him Absolutely. For. you got to stick the fucking landing. Yeah. Yeah, so no, and I think they can. I think they can. I so far, can it seems like they're doing a much better job than some other people have been. Well, yes. So we'll, I concur with we'll that. We'll leave sir. it at that. Yeah. That scene where Vatic actually shoots one of the crew members, I <sighs> I full-on gasped. I yeah. sat up and gasped. Oh, my God. Yeah. Haven't See, had that in The Mandalorian. That's the balls yeah. that they need to bring back to The Mandalorian. There have been so many moments like that in this series, let alone Stranger Worlds, which we can't stop gushing about. Where you have the balls to do something, and they are not doing that in the Mandalorian because they're so afraid to, to. Oh, they can't sell toys if mm. they do it too violent. If we get too dark, then we can't sell the show to thirteen-year-olds. Or we could, but their parents wouldn't let them watch it. Yeah, because parents still control what their children see online. Oh, absolutely. Right? That's still a thing that we can oh, believe absolutely. in. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Well, that was episode ninety-six of Nerd Pod Generations. We I really love, hope you enjoyed yourself. I love every conversation that ends in porn. I try to end each one by just saying porn. Once again, this was episode ninety-six. So, if you want to go back and listen to our back catalog, please do. Please tell a friend, tell multiple friends. Let them know they can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Um, if you want to know a little bit more about us individually, you can look me up at staylerbooks.com. You can look me up at jutsumstudios.work under the Bronx Division tab. And we will see you next week, folks. Yeah, it's going to be fun on a bun. And next week, probably going to be Mario week. So batten it's down me, the hatches. Chris Pratt. Yeah. It's a me. <laughs> Not your favorite. Oh, wow. Oh, Jesus. Literally. <laughs>